Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is uh, Tuesday. It's all usually Tuesday, March 1st. Uh Uh-oh. Right? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. All right. Great. Uh... Yeah, John, I was on West Coast time for a couple of days last week, and yeah. there's really no excuse for that throwing me off so badly and like making me forget the date. But um, that's what I'm going to go with as my party line. I love, I, I love Central time, and I love when people use the jet lag excuse. And I'm like, it's it's two hours. Like you're, <laughs> it's you're really okay. There's you're just lazy. Is what the problem is. <laughs> yes, that is exactly correct. Oh man! Well, we didn't start the podcast with the CBS music. The <laughs> we it's okay. No, we usually hit everyone with the bu- 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 basketball. What is it? Basketball. Give me, give me, give me the ball. Yeah, if you haven't looked that up, look it up. Um, but yeah, it's March. Hey, how about that? Well, it we got here. Uh, February was rough on a lot for a lot of reasons, but yeah. you know, we're here. Um, I'll tell you, should we just jump in on hoops? Yeah. Okay. Um, not a great start to the week. If you remember, many of you have probably blacked it out, uh, but MSU did lose by nearly 30 to Iowa, hmm. Iowa basketball, a program whose best player of all time was Luca Garza, who can't make the Pistons. And, um, yeah, that's just not going to cut it, man. Uh, we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but, folks, that was a double bogey, you know, in golf terms. This this was uninspiring. Yeah, this is one of those ones where if you're not really keeping a handicap or you're just out with the boys, you're just picking this one up. Yep. Like you're just picking it up. It's the middle. You're in the, you know, you you've had four shots and your buddy's standing next to you on the second. And you're like, you know what? I think it's time we just call this one a hole uh, and and move on. Um, yeah, I I'm gonna come completely clean about this game. As I said, I was on the West Coast last week for for a little bit of work, and um, I was flying during this game, and I recorded it. Like so, I can watch it on my phone afterwards. I was like fully planning to watch this game, and then I saw the final score as soon as I got off the plane, and I made the conscious decision that I would never, in my life, see a second of the action that that happened. That was my promise to myself and to everybody else that I simply would not watch this game. Uh, like a thirty-six point loss. Like well, I have six twenty-six. 26, excuse me. Felt like 36 when I saw the score. Um, a 26-point loss in conference ever to anybody for a program like Michigan State is, I, I don't want to say inexcusable, but pretty pretty damn close. Uh, Iowa was always a terrible matchup because all they do is run and score, and Michigan State has trouble running and scoring. So uh, maybe not as much running, but scoring certainly. And you know, this is always a bad matchup, but yeah, that was that was uh, that was pretty pretty bad. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, there are only uh, a couple guys on MS. Okay, one Keon Coleman played in the first half of this one. That's that'll tell you where we're at. And I will tell you, we're gonna get some laughs out of this. Like we gotta enjoy. It. 
Keon, a lot of energy, big energy guy, which is awesome. And I will say he scored, he scored, uh, he had a three and he outscored Gabe Brown. And we can't have that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. Can't have that. Um, the other thing, <sighs> Austin didn't know that until now. I didn't know that until I, you just told me and I'm, I have so much to say about Gabe Brown. I'm going to save it until after the next game. But, God, that is just – that is – I don't mean to overstate it. That is pathetic. Like, that is absolutely pathetic from Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown has played so much basketball yeah. in college. So much. So yeah. much. And he just refuses, refu- absolutely refuses to get better. You're like you, oh my God! I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, okay. I'm disgusted. If you hear me there's, vomiting on this call, I apologize. There's also a very funny thing that Keon Coleman did. If you've ever watched any of his high school tapes, he could do whatever he wanted whenever he wanted because he was playing the equivalent of like Class D in Michigan. If you know the smallest classes of basketball. So for for hilarity's sake, it was fun watching him do that. He went Quavo Crouch on us in this game, Austin. He um, decided he was going to run and just start doubling people. Awesome. <laughs> and honestly, we were down by probably like 15 at the time. And I remember I was probably on my uh, third IPA. Did not <laughs> unintentionally, by the way. It just was spiraling out of control. Um, my third IPA. And I said, honestly, fine. Like, I don't even care. Like, and, and it didn't work out, and Izzo immediately benched him and was kind of like, hey, so, you know, um, I know it looks like we don't aren't a real program today, but we technically are. Yeah. And we can't just be, like, doing whatever we want. I will say, appreciate the innovation and appreciate the inspiration from Quavo Crouch when sometimes he would just decide to do his own thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Ad lib. Uh, I love that from Keon and I absolutely love it. And I also have to say that I, I probably would have really enjoyed that in the moment. Like that might've actually made the entire game worth watching for me because at least that's effort. Like what has Michigan state been known for forever? It's like being a bunch of, for lack of a better term, assholes on the court. Not to the same level as, you know, Wisconsin, who's about to win the league, by the way. Uh, but just that's what they do. They're just jerks. They, they, they d- historically die for the loose balls, tough on defense, block shots. Just nobody likes playing against them. And this year, I think everyone's very excited to play against them sometimes, especially when they're going to play charm and soft like they did in that one. Um, but I love that from Keon. At least he's trying. I'll give you I'll give you one good thing. There's only one play. This was pretty obvious. Um, there are only like two players on this team that were comfortable playing at the type of pace Iowa was, and Malik Hall was one of them, which is interesting. You know, he's very comfortable getting up and down in like an open gym type of setting. Uh, there are a lot of guys who are not, and so that was pretty obvious. I think I the best way I can describe this game, and we'll we'll put it to bed was. I'm not sure if MSU at in that moment in this season was good enough to beat Iowa playing organized basketball. And they definitely weren't good enough to beat them playing unorganized basketball, which is what <laughs> Iowa does every night. So, yeah, yeah. which in, and ultimately, by the way, is why Iowa will never win anything ever. Oh, absolutely. You want to roll the balls out with not enough good athletes. It There's a reason it, they never do anything you know so you know i i'm not gonna yes i am going to get my licks in on a team that beat my team by 26 but at the end of the day like their their ceiling is very hard and and it's just yeah doesn't work well they're a regular season team yep it's the they're the definition of a regular season team i mean you know if when the when push really comes to shove in college basketball, especially it's, you know, you, you're forced into tough situations and you have to play much like football. You have to play situational basketball and their style is not 
conducive to that. That's what made Cassius Winston so great is like he was one of the many things that made him so great was that he was so good in any situation of knowing where like what to do with the ball. Is he supposed to be the one that's going to have to take the shot? Is this a, is this when we need a three? Is it we need to call a timeout? What type of set do we want to run? Like he was so good at being that quarterback on the floor and Iowa's offense is not set up to even like give that opportunity to anybody. Also, Jordan Bohannon Again, I've never, I did not watch this game, but I'm annoyed by the fact that he played in it he because did. this dude's like 34 years old. He's my age. And job. He's still playing. Job. Get a job. Get a job. Um, here, one more parting gift. How, how many seasons do you think Fran McCaffrey's been their head coach? Oh, God. I don't know. Probably a lot longer than you. Probably like 11. Yeah. This is his 12th year. How many? Oh. How many times do you think they've made it to the second weekend in March? Uh, have they? One? Z- zero. Yeah. So that's yeah, your and, identity. Yeah. And they've had five seasons that make the tournament. In, in that, you know, I, I mean, it's just like, okay, do whatever you want. Cool. <laughs> like, whatever. You have know, fun. It's, the great news for this, though, I think the, the takeaway is like, OK, you can lose to, to a team like this by 26 and it can mean nothing because Michigan State still become a good organized basketball team. Iowa is what it is. They can't, This is it. This is the peak. So transitioning, Michigan State can turn around and play a very organized basketball game against Purdue. And when I say that, I mean a game plan, a well thought out strategy um that didn't involve just running up and down the court and that that if you do that better you can beat you know teams that are more talented than you and so they did that in a 68 to 65 win versus purdue and uh it was a bit of deja vu austin if you remember the 2018 game against purdue with isaac haas uh msu basically just dusted that playbook off and um, ran it to perfection yeah, I mean that's what this is. It's it's so weird, like this evolution of Purdue, where they've now become like the school where all the aggressively tall people go, and then that's like what they are able to do all the time. Is just, I think the thing that would really upset me if I was a Purdue fan is that this team's not going to win the league despite having the best guard it's ever had in school yep. history, uh, as well as that seven foot. 10 monster in the middle uh and then also travion williams who is one of the best individual players in the league uh and some great three-point shooting i mean but to to come back to this game i think in a lot of other years i'd be really excited about this win because like listen at the end of the day michigan state just got their doors blown off and then turned around and all of a sudden uh beats a top five team you know like that's Mm -hmm. awesome that's amazing. In the same week, like, you know, what a bounce back, what a mentally tough team, yada, yada, yada. I just have trouble. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the bad stuff. And then I actually do have a couple of good things. The bad stuff is that I don't think what they did today is sustainable at all. Uh, or what they did this weekend is sustainable because it's too well executed. Um, like, you know, they had such balanced scoring in this game, four guys in double digits, Hauser and Tyson each, with eight points, uh, you know, they, that's great. But then they got killed on the glass. They lost the, the rebounding battle. Um, they only turned the ball over 10 times. No one had more than three fouls. Like, I don't know that I see all of those circumstances coming together again for this team all that often. Um, it's great that they did it. It's awesome. It proves to me that if they face a really good team in the tournament, you know, they're, they have potentially a puncher's chance and they could do something like this. But, but what I don't trust is their ability to pull this out in that moment and to definitely not pull it out like multiple times in a row, you know, what you'd need to do either in the conference tournament or in the regular season tournament, or, or in the, excuse me, in the, the NCAA tournament to string anything together. So it's awesome. I'm pumped. I'd much rather they win this game than lose it, because quite honestly, had they lost it, they'd be sitting here at, uh, what, 18 and 10 
nine and eight in the conference, losing seven of eight, something like that. And uh, feeling very, you know, bubblicious. But I think because of this win, they were all the odds on were always probably going to make the tournament. But like this locked that up, which I think is, you know, whatever you think of the team, that's still a nice thing to have. Yeah, I think you're right. There are some good takeaways here. Like you said, there, there's a lot left to be desired. Um, they were focused. They were lasered in. Everyone was lasered in. You know, there were there were very few hiccups, mental blips, both of which took place at the end of uh, each half, which was both abominations that I, I'm just going to tackle really quick. The end of the first half was a disaster in a way that I was unwell throughout all of halftime. But then the end of the second half might actually have made me consider like getting really into astronomy because (laughs) when you have the ball ahead by three with 0.4 seconds left it it can't it cannot even be possible for the other team to have a chance to to tie the game and yet msu did the one thing that they couldn't do and gave the ball back to purdue all they had to do was throw it in, just throw it towards MSU's basket, and someone touches it and the game's over. We decided to do the opposite of that, and Purdue <laughs> had got the ball back and did, did, luckily didn't get a shot off because you know it was going in. Okay. Uh, so it, it was just like for 98% of the game, you know, everyone was locked in, and they beat a decent team. Not a great team, a decent team. So, um, you know, there's there's a takeaway there. Can they do it again? I don't know. I think if I'm going to keep spinning this positive, the team that would have you most laser focused to, you know, kind of keep it a trend going is to play your arch rival next. I think yes. that, that is a positive part of this schedule <laughs> right now is is you don't have the opportunity to take your foot off the gas because you would be laser focused for that game no matter what. So you could build on that doesn't mean they're going to win, but I think it's helpful to be able to play Michigan next. Um, I, I would agree. Um, the other thing I'll say about this game, if we're looking for positive outcomes here, yeah, to your point, played locked in, played smart, played, played hard. Those things are all awesome. Um, but when I look at the bad, like, or we'll look at the good. I like the shot distribution. Christie taking 10 shots, Hogarth taking 12, Tyson taking nine. Shows me that they're being aggressive, even if it's not always working out. I thought AJ played a great game, six assists, 11 points, even made a three, which he's taking more often. Um, Tyson, I thought, I, I love that they gave him the ball at the end because I think whether it's a perfect solution long-term or not, I don't know. But the fact that they said, you're going to go get this last shot says a lot to me. And I think that that is what Michigan State's going to need in order to be great. I said this the other day when he went off for like 30 something points against Illinois, like when he's aggressive and he's hunting his own shot, he's a really, really good offensive player. And that's, it's almost this weird semi rocket Watts paradox, but Tyson can actually shoot and like, isn't a totally brain dead half the time, like doesn't love these little running floaters. So it's just that Tyson is better off trying to go score individually. He's the, I think it's pretty obvious that if you're looking for like an in the system type of player, Hogard's just better for that role. That's just what he does it a little bit better for whatever reason. Uh, it's just not Walker's like mindset, but I think Tyson's done a better job of adjusting and instead of forcing it kind of going with the flow of the offense. And, but now we're like, okay, you need to be more aggressive. Like this team doesn't have the, the, the dudes to have it. So that you're, when you're not on, that they're going to be able to survive. So um, I was excited to see him, even though he didn't have a great day. He made that big shot, um, only turned the ball over once. You know, I I think an important thing that could come out of this game, like one of the things I love to see is that the guys that carried this team are the future of the program. I mean, yes, Gabe Brown made three threes. That's great. But like Hogarth's around next year. Christie's around next year. Tyson's around next year. Hall will be back. Marble will be back. I mean, these are the guys that are going to play a lot of minutes for the future of this team. And it's great to see them being the ones that step up and make, you know, some 
huge plays and, and, and play really well. And I think that's kind of like the shame of we've talked about so much with like Bingham and Brown. It's like, I wish more than anything else that it was those two throwing the team on their back and being like, we are going to carry this team because it's the end of what could be our last year probably will be. And I don't want to go out losing seven of eight or whatever it would have been. I would have preferred if they were the ones to step up and go do that. They weren't, it's fine. But if they're not going to be, I'm glad this team's not just falling back backwards because, you know, someone's got to carry them forward. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm excited that it's some of these younger guys because you think about the standard of Michigan State basketball. We talked about it all gloom and doom last week. They need somebody to bear the torch going forward. And they're going to need to figure things out unless they want to make it three years in a row of super mid basketball. Um, and so I guess I'm just – it's a long way of saying I'm glad that these guys – seemingly took a big step forward and showed some pride. And yeah, John, to your point, huge game coming up uh, from the pride standpoint against Michigan next. So today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Both programs, you know, I think Michigan needs to win if they they want to be serious about making the NCAA tournament. Um, worth noting that if Michigan loses its next three games plus uh, the Big Ten tournament, they will be ineligible not only for the NCAA tournament, but the NIT. You have to have a winning record. So, I mean, not that they, you need more incentive to beat Michigan, but you could be the reason they don't make a uh, postseason tournament. Um, one thing I'd love to see, you mentioned, you know, Tyson Walker, you know, took the last shot. He's quietly the sing, he's the leading the country in three point field goal percentage. He's shooting 57% from three. And like at a certain point, where are the coaches? Like, right. like what are we doing? Like, do maybe we should get him a few more looks? Like, maybe encouraging him to jack it? You know, maybe getting him off ball? Like, Cassius maybe play, play him at play him at the two. It's like, like that's what I. Th- this is the stuff that I don't get. So I'm going to totally steal your okay. your time here. But like, that's what I think. What's really frustrating me about this season is these pieces exist. We've got shooting almost sixty percent from three, not on small volume, by the way, and he's not. And he's clearly the second best backcourt player that you have. And he's the best shot creator that you have. And for some reason, it's him or AJ all the time. It's like, it doesn't have to work like that. And that's the part where the rotations this year, I hate being like the Izzo rotation guy, but it truly doesn't make sense to me. Like the playing groups this year boggle the mind. I I just really don't understand it. And that's why I feel like this year is, this is a group of players that are talented enough to be a good, a, a pretty good team. But they are a group of players that with coaches putting them in the right positions, I think could be better than that. I think we've seen it. But for whatever reason, as this year has gone on, it's just been more and more bizarre stuff. And, you know, we're not in the room. We don't know. But from the outside looking in, it seems like maybe we could give Max Christie a little bit more of a spell and we could play a two small guard backcourt together yeah. a little bit. So yeah. go ahead. Sorry, no, you're, you're right. And I think we saw, well, I know we saw it for the first time, uh, a completely new starting lineup. And we saw, you know, Hogard is now the starting point guard, but yeah. paired with him was Julius Marble got the start. And yeah. and when that happened, it allowed uh, the staff to pull the trigger on, on Malik Hall starting because, you know, Marble and Hauser can't be paired together. So... Now you had Hall, Marble, <clears throat> Brown, Christie, and Hogard, and then really you had Bingham, uh, Hauser, and Walker off the bench, and and Maddie Sissoko came in and gave some great, great spot minutes, and that's all he really should be wanting. And Aikens could probably play a little bit more, but uh, the whole point is, you know, it's down to if that's the if this is the new lineup and you're playing basically eight 
rotation players with spot minutes from Akins and Sissoko. And then you, like you said, you're playing Hogard and Walker to spell uh, Christie. Like that is a winning formula. And we just saw yeah. it, right? That's, a, that is, that's good enough players and you're not, you're allowing them to get into a flow. You know, you're allowing them to get better together and you have only a couple more games to do that. You know, you, no more experimenting. Like this is it. Like you got to, you got to feel pretty good about the fact that you rolled this out there, had a nice game plan. Um, Purdue, by the way, second best in the country in three-point uh, percentage, only attempted nine threes. They'd usually attempt 23. So the game plan was was to perfection. Um, thank you, Matt Painter. So I think the, the takeaway here is like, yeah, it was a great game plan, but also were these guys, you know, getting comfortable – with each other. And I think you saw four guys with double digit points and Malik Hall wasn't even one of them who also, by the way, he's 12th in the country in three point shooting. Like at, like at one point do we say, Hey, the guy, that guy shooting 49% from three, maybe we should be drawing him some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be Gabe Brown and Max Christie. Like it can be, if other people are better shooters, let's just move them around a little bit. So anyway, a lot to like you said, but on the flip side, it's also like you said, a um, lot more to prove. You know, there's a long way to go. This was a step in the right, definite right direction. But before this team can even approach seriousness, you know, you have to beat Michigan on Tuesday. And then um, Ohio State's on is, is only a couple days later, you know, and then you know, Ohio State is one of the most chaotic teams in the, in the conference. Before we get to them, anything you want to uh, – get on the board about Purdue or the Michigan game? Well, Purdue, like that game was such a classic example of why Purdue will always just be Purdue and never will go win anything big. Like it's been the same game plan from Izzo against those Purdue teams that have the mega big every time they have it. And it's always a Michigan State team upsetting what was supposed to be a great Purdue team. And Matt Painter doesn't find a way to adjust. That is situational basketball. That is why when backed into a corner, they'll always fall flat. So that's just like my overarching point about Purdue. We've seen it so many times. Um, Michigan, I mean, yeah, this is talk about a talk about a pride game. Oh, Austin, wait, I want to I want to I forgot one thing about Purdue. I have a, I have a problem. Oh yeah, we have some things to say about Purdue. Sorry, I remember exactly what you're going to say. And if you don't, I'll say it. Go ahead. Okay, I have a problem with the fact that Purdue, Purdue, of of last ninth Final Four of 1980 fame, I have a problem with the fact that three programs have rushed the floor to beat them this year. <laughs> three? It's Purdue. Calm down. Like for what? Because they have a 7-4 kid? Like, you're going to storm the court about that? Like, I am embarrassed that there were three conference teams that said, yes. Rutgers, I'll give it to you. All day, every day. You guys deserve good things. Like, and it was an amazing walk-off win. Absolutely go nuts. Indiana, are you kidding me? Michigan? You've just outed yourself as unserious. I'm sorry. And I love, I, I, I like court storming. I think it's fun. You should court storm every game. If you win, storm the court. If you win by 30, storm the court. I don't care. But just like, you're just saying, if unless you do it every time, because it's fun. And I think that'd actually be hilarious if you storm the court after every game. I actually love that idea for <laughs> some school. But yeah, someone should just own it. But if you're not, and you're saving it for special occasions, like can it be a little more special than Purdue? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I mean, like that's, I mean, your point about Michigan and Indiana is so, so spot on. Like I thought, I don't know. I thought you had some pride, just have some pride. Like that, that's all it is. Rutgers, Rutgers, I will give it to you every day of the week. Purdue hey. Number one in the country. Yeah. It was an awesome ending. It's yeah. like, you your status as a basketball program is one that's certainly getting much better, but like yeah. you're still Rutgers basketball. That's exactly. okay. That's that's okay. That's on the table. Uh huh. 
Michigan? Guys, Michigan? Like, the, the we were ranked number four to start this season, Wolverines? Oh, no. The number one seed in the la- – a number one seed in last year's tournament, Michigan Wolverines, are rushing the court against Purdue? Baby, what like, is he doing? I, I'm sorry. I thought you were the leaders in the best. Like, I apparently you're pumped about beating what I guess is, which brings me to the next team, the best program in the state of Indiana. Oh. And now flipping oh. that to IU, like, if that's what you're conceding by doing that. Uh-huh. You're conceding that we are not the kings of our own castle. We are not the alphas. We are saying we are the 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 betas in this relationship and like again if that's what you are cool with then that's cool with me like you know be happy love is love but you know i don't think that's what you want to be then again you did hire mike woodson so who really who who am i to say uh but yeah i i just think that that's pretty pathetic and i will say i'm very happy we don't do that like I think the last time Michigan State rushed the court that I remember was when they beat Wisconsin and Alondo Tucker was there, which was like 2002. No, like, no, no, no. It was 2007, and okay. I was at the game, and it was to beat number one slash two Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. Drew, Drew Knight's a lot. <laughs> Third best offensive weapon on that team is Travis Walton. Not a great squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it still made the tournament, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so, but there's standards here, folks. Come on. Exactly. So, uh, my other point about Purdue, and I think it's important that we spend a lot of time ragging on them. Um, Absolutely. It's the fact that they have Jaden Ivy that mm. would make this so much harder for me to swallow if I was a Purdue fan, because yes. Jaden Ivy is a like I said, the best guard that I've ever seen play for Purdue. And they've had some – Purdue's had some great players. Like You like him better than Carson Edwards? Yo, oh, my God. God that's, what, <laughs> a trigger, what a triggering statement. I can't believe you'd even go there. Um, oh, God. Oh, my God. I had somehow managed to – oh, weird. Carson Edwards isn't good in the NBA. That's wild. That's <laughs> weird that he wasn't in my memory. God damn it. Um Anyways, Jaden Ivey is like a legitimate, like top five, unreal uh, NBA draft pick. Like this dude is so athletic. He's six five, like can move on both ends of the court. The fact that he is not being accentuated the way that he should, and he still had 16 points. Like he played a pretty good game, but he did turn the ball over five times. Like, I don't know. It would just kill me that I have Ivy and Edie and Trevion Williams, like three incredibly good players. And I'm still losing on the road because my coach refuses to change his game plan to take advantage of his, like, he just can't get all the right players on the court at the same time together. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Moving on. Michigan. <laughs> the, the, uh, the fighting film Martellis um, <laughs> dropped one yesterday. They're now 15 and 12. Tough look. Um, tough luck when you're a top five team to start the year. 15 and 12. That's an ugly yeah. couple of numbers. Um, what do they call them in baseball? You know, when you, you put up uh, crooked numbers. That's a crooked numbers right there. Yeah. yeah, they got a couple of them. So, um, what to watch? What to watch for? Well, this. I mean, at this point, I think you. It's. I don't even know if it's must win. I. It just feels like it. Feels like it for Michigan for a lot of reasons. Um. Yeah, they're they're in a little trouble just as a program. I think there a lot of things wondering what's going on, and they need this one bad. Bad news for them uh, against a very uh, high-paced Illinois game plan. Played three guys over th- five guys over 30 minutes, um, and so tonight, you know, if you're listening, I uh, wonder if that'll have any effect playing, you know, essentially 48 hours later. Um, you know, MSU is not going to try and you know, run up and down the way Illinois does, but they certainly find found their spots against Purdue, and that all started with rebounding, and and they did a defensive rebounding, and when they were able to do it, clean it up, which was not all the time against Purdue, um, they pushed it, 
and, and Purdue is just miserable on transition defense and defense in general. So they took advantage of that. Um, against Michigan, they're a much better defensive team than Purdue. So uh, I, I think this is going to be a grinder. You know, honestly, I think this is going to be one that is going to go down to the end. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough out. And, and frankly, it's going to come down to um, who's who's hitting who hits more threes. I know that's that's maybe seems obvious or whatever, but I think you can look at the number at the end. They're both going to probably hit you know, eight or so. Whoever hit, I, I, I bet the one whoever hits nine, you know, wins. I, I think it's that that's the one number to look at in this game for me. Yeah, I've got two things that stand out uh, in terms of things I want to see from from Michigan State. The rebounding to me is is huge. Uh, Michigan did really well on the offensive glass in the last meeting. Uh, Musa Diabate in particular really just just out hustling a lot of Michigan State guys. Um, Dickinson obviously brings size, but Diabate is really sort of that second front court guy that Michigan State doesn't have you know an answer for size wise. So uh making sure that he's contained to a degree especially on the offensive glass is is a big a big piece because yeah to your point if Michigan State can rebound then Michigan State can run and if Michigan State can run they can probably score a little easier and if they can score a little easier then you know that's their biggest bugaboo so um that that's big for me the other thing is that like I think you'll see a lot about Michigan's character in this one and I think this is a game where like in a I think Phil Martelli is honestly like a very good coach and he does a lot of the strategy for the team anyway. So I don't know that there's this huge difference in like what they're going to run or how they're going to execute with him as opposed to with Juwan Howard. But what Juwan Howard brings sometimes to everyone around him's detriment and physical uh, well-being uh, is <laughs> energy, fire. And these guys need that fire. They are they are going into a th- the final three game stretch of their season, sitting at fifteen and twelve, with this game on the uh, you know against Michigan State, their arch rival uh, in basketball, anyways. That they'd care to admit, but they, either way, they're playing Michigan State. This is the easiest game they have the rest of the way of these last three. They play Michigan State at home, then they host an Iowa team that will run, run, run. And to your point. Uh, they beat them once already on the road, but um, they're playing guys 30-something minutes a night every night. So that's a tough game uh, just two two days after Michigan State. And then later on, on the 6th, they have to go on the road and finish at Ohio State. That's Even if Michigan was a good team, mm-hmm. that's a tough end to your season. So they really need this one. And if you're, and, and that's why I, I think this is actually, you know, feels like we know how this is going to go the rest of the season for Michigan state. But at the same point in time, this is an opportunity for them to show that they can at least focus up and handle another big moment because Michigan's going to come out fired up, ready to play and desperate, frankly. And Michigan state's got to be ready to match those things. Otherwise they could very easily lose this game. Yeah. I wonder if they do, they just run because it's a short turnaround. I, I'd be curious if they just run the same uh, game plan they did against Edie and just let Dickinson score or get his shots rather. I and, mean, they've done that to Michigan before and it's yeah. worked. I, w- I would actually be surprised if they didn't do that, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just saw it work against a better opponent. So um, kind of do the same thing, but just you kind of have to be prepared for the fact that you know, Michigan is a better transition defense team and is a better defensive team overall. So um, it, it's going to be the same type of, uh, I think, while Michigan is less efficient, you know, scoring, um, it'll kind of even out on both ends. It's it's going to be a grinder. So, um, yeah, I think this is the one that that you can decide if, you know, if Michigan State wins this one, then we can continue the conversation of, uh, you know, a higher ceiling than losing in the round of 32. Um, if I'm sorry, I mean, well, let's call it. Like, I agree. I'm on like, the same page. Right. You know, and you know, if they don't, if they do win, even if they, if they, uh, then, you know, you just kind of push and kick the ball down the road a little bit um, and, and reevaluate, you know, at the Thursday game against Ohio state, which is what we talked about. EJ little is probably the most least talked about dude in the big 10. I think. For, for for how good he is, 
Um, and I think part of his problem is he's a tweener and yeah. he just, it's not like flashy buckets. Like it's not Jaden Ivy. Like you watch him play and he just looks like a better athlete than everyone, you know, like they're just, yeah. And it's, and it's not Kofi Coburn who just looks, you know, cause he is bigger than everybody. It, and it's not Johnny Davis who looks smooth, you know, it's like EJ Liddell, a little bit of, I'll get killed for this, but he just look in a lot of ways, Draymond Green of like, he just doesn't look the part, but yeah, but he, but he produces at a very high level and he takes on all their hardest assignments and plays, you know, Frank, he's six, seven, and, and he's playing guys much bigger than him in the way that Malik Hall does, you know, um, but he's a bucket and the other guy to watch is uh, Malachi Brannon. He's going to be freshman of the year in the Big Ten. He's just an absolute stud. There are a couple games where he's just gone off for like 30 points or something. So um, keep, and he's been hot the last four games. He's had 22, 27, 31, and then a 13 in their weird loss at Maryland uh, yesterday. So, <laughs> you know, if, he, if he's on, they, they are doing well. EJ Liddell is pretty Mr. Consistent. Um, but Ohio State is just one player away from being a serious team, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think they are – honestly, they're sort of the same as Michigan State, but with that, I feel like second weekend, maybe a little bit more upside. It feels like a round of 32 team to me. Like, they're bottom half of the top 25 pretty much all year. Their and losses in the Big Ten are so – what? At least they have a guy. Like they have. Right. I think that's the difference between the two yeah. teams right now. Um, and uh, their losses in the Big Ten are so weird. Um, they've lost at Indiana, at Wisconsin, no shame in that, at Purdue, no shame in that. Then at Rutgers, we know, not a great loss. Home against Iowa by 13, not a great loss. And then at Maryland by 15. They also went to overtime at Indiana, um, barely beat Penn State by five. Nebraska uh, had to go to overtime against Nebraska. Like just they're a very, a very weird, you use the term chaotic. Yes, a very chaotic and strange team. And then on the other flip, the flip side, they beat Duke earlier in the season and lost yeah. to Xavier. Like they just, they go, they really run the gamut of like weird wins and losses which is why it's like you could see a good you could see these games going truly like either way but yeah to your point Malachi Branham has been on a tear he's led the team in scoring their last four games including like you said 31 against Illinois 27 against Indiana um you know they play only two days before just like Michigan State does they they play Nebraska uh and and then they take on MSU but you know yeah, this is a super weird game. I feel like you talk about a grinder and just sort of like a strange one to watch. I feel like Michigan State and Ohio State could be a, a very interesting one. Now, I also think like uh, road games at Ohio State are always bad for MSU. I don't know why. I just associate it with bad times. Um, and so who knows? But like you said, coming out of Michigan, you're able to kick the can down the road a little bit. Coming out of Ohio State, you'll be able to kick that can a little further, and then you finish up with Maryland. I mean, you know, you'd love to be able to end the regular season on a four-game win streak, and instead of getting a six, you know, a seven seed, maybe you end up with a five. But I think Michigan State is somewhere in that range, and um, you know, maybe we look back at this last one as a turning point. But I, I'm kind of, I'm very wait and see with this team. Well, I'll give you this. Here's here's the the key just like you said it's the third game in uh five days for both teams okay so you're gonna throw out the game plan you know the coaches are gonna you know give you the scout and get, coach you up but in the second half all that's probably gonna go out the window you're gonna have guys that are gassed and it's gonna become who's who's got more guys like who who's tougher who gets maybe a couple more bounces by the way too and and this is one that is ripe for stealing 
you know, in the sense that if you're not as good of a team, but you're both on three games in five days and you have, it's not like Ohio State's not a ton better. Like they are not, you know, this is one that I, in my head is right for stealing because, you know, it's not senior night for them. They're going to have that against Michigan um, four days, three days later. You know, this is just one that it's plopped right in the middle you know, of, of a bunch of other stuff. And I don't want to say Ohio State would ever overlook Michigan State. That It's just one that becomes a lot more viable just because of right. the circumstances, in my opinion. So, um, but you, yeah, a lot of opportunity this week, ton of opportunity. And, you know, before we talk to to the folks next week, I mean, the regular season will be over by the time we talk to you guys. We'll play yeah. Maryland on Sunday, um, another maybe much less talented chaotic team and that's that's kind of got to be a must win you got to win that's on senior night and there's no reason to not beat this maryland team um who's playing for all but pride at this point yeah you know they're 14 and 15 with two to go they're going to be playing minnesota they'll be 15 and 15 um they need if they want to go to the nit they have to have a winning record i already covered that earlier um, if they lose this game, you know, the, they'll, they'd have to win two in the big 10 tournament. They're going to be playing for that. Like winning two games in the big 10 tournament is tough. You beat Michigan state, you become, you know, 16 and 15 and you lose in the big 10 tournament. The first game you're still NIT bound. And for a program like Maryland, you know, that's obviously much below their standards, but certainly something that they can, you know, they rallied to, to get to that point. So can't overlook it. I mean, it, Maryland, they're not good, but they certainly uh, took Michigan State to the limit the last time they played. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you just hope that that's not a letdown spot to be, if we're just being 100% honest about it. Like, you're coming out of two tough games. It's your, like you said, senior day. Um, you'd like to think that that's not a, completely fall flat on your face moment. But John, John, I guess since we're approaching the end here, uh, we're staring the end of the regular season, like you said, square in the face. I'm curious, what would, if it would at all, what would three wins this week, would that change your feelings about the season like in, in general, I'm just curious as to like what this week could do for your perception of the season. Uh, you know, best case scenario, you know, like you said, they, they run these three off. doesn't matter how you do it. You know, you, you, you figure it out. And, you know, that puts this team at 22 and nine and finishing fourth of the conference, maybe tied for fourth potentially. And, you know, you can feel good about that. You don't have to feel great because that's, I think Tom Izzo would say that they left a lot on the table. We, we watched them leave the conference championship on the table against Northwestern at home without their best player and at Penn State with a 14-point lead. And for what it's worth, at Illinois without Kofi Coburn. So they left the conference championship title on the table. It doesn't mean the season's over doesn't mean it's not worth playing. It doesn't mean that, you know, they can't make a run in the NCAA tournament. But if you want to be a serious team, like if you want me to take you seriously, like a like I, we have for a lot of other Michigan State teams in the past few years, you almost need to win these last three games. And even then, dude, like I still I still think that that right now, if back to the golf analogy, like they're they're four over with three to play. And best case scenario, I think you can only birdie two of them because the home game against Maryland, you can, I don't know if you can birdie that one. You can only par. So, you know, you can go into the Big Ten tournament and start to feel good about yourself. And hey, if they, I'll put it this way, if they win out and then they win the Big Ten tournament, we are in serious program contention. You're back to being serious, in my opinion. You are a, but that is a long way to, that is six games away. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you ran off six straight. You can, I'll take you seriously. How about you? Yeah, something as easy as that. You make it sound so simple. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think my tenor of it's probably come through pretty clearly here on this show. Uh, it's disappointing. Like this is, it, I, I think this is where we always talk about like context, right? Like we talk about expectations and all of this, that, and the other thing. We came into this season like without many expectations, which I think is, which I think was was fair and right, especially coming off last year, like really not knowing what this team was going to look like. You go on a run at the beginning of the season, those things change a little bit, and all of a sudden you're you're kind of getting excited. And then I think that is what has made this a disappointing what feels like a disappointing season. Now, is it really like given the beginning of the season conversations that we were having, you know, quote unquote disappointing? Like no, no. probably probably not. Like in all reality, this is probably right about where we would have expected to be, but right. your perception changes when you go and you beat UConn at the beginning of the season and you, you know, do some really impressive things early on in the big 10 season. And, and you know, you feel like you might have some answers here. Uh, and then all of a sudden you turn around and, and you just, like you said, those, those games you just listed off, like are very, they're damning. And they're just not games that Michigan state, blows regularly. I mean, losing to Northwestern, blowing the huge lead against Penn State, losing to an Illinois team down like its two best players. It's just not games in Michigan State. Losing, I mean, listen, losing at Rutgers this year, not as big a deal as as it's been before. It lost by 21. Like, got smoked by Rutgers. Um, You know, it... It changes the tenor. So, now I'll say that going into the Big Ten tournament, so specifically with these three games... I don't know that it's going to, if Michigan State were to win all three of these and end, you know, the Big Ten at 13 and seven, like you said, 22 and nine, ranked somewhere in the mid part of the top 25, you know, mid to low, and then you're probably in line for a five or six seed. You got to be somewhat satisfied with that. I feel like it's always going to be difficult when I look back and I see those big wins they had early in the season, even especially when they bounce back and beat Wisconsin so handily on the road. It's just that I've seen this team play well enough to be considered a serious team more than one time, several times, in fact. And yet they seem to have just continually taken these little half steps backward the entire year. And um, this is their chance to kind of write it all. But, you know, it's. Yeah, it's it's just tough. You lose six out of seven in a row to some teams you shouldn't be losing to, or, or excuse me, five out of six. Uh, oh yeah, and then sandwiched in there was a barely win against Maryland. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of like if you win these three games, I can almost say that I can see anything happening. Like you win these three, and then you win a game in the Big Ten tournament, I could see anything happening. But um, yeah, that's I don't know. That's kind of where where I'm at a yellow light. Yeah. And I know, I know it's like, I think that if you're listening, you're like, man, these guys are really down on like a, they just, we just beat a top five team. And, you know, I think the hard part is looking at taking a giant step back and kind of looking at the team and their, like, are, are they good enough on defense, you know, to, to make a run in the NCAA tournament right now? No. They are not. Now, are they good enough on, at any one thing to make a run? No. And then you even look at it and you're like, well, remember in 2015, you know, the MSU went as a seven seed. Take a look at their Ken Palm, you know, adjusted offense and defense. That team was like decent, like very, much better than this one. And they had a leader like Travis Trice yeah. put him on their back, though. And so I think we're looking at a couple different that seven seed looks way different than this team's uh, six seed or whatever they end up being for a lot of different reasons. And don't get me wrong. It was a shock that that Travis Trice team went to the final four, but it would have been a lot more shocking if this 2022 team went to the final four. But, but okay. But you find, I agree with you, first of all, but you, that's probably the most encouraging point you could have possibly made. Because Travis Trice came out of nowhere yeah. in the end of that season to <laughs> lift Michigan State to a Final Four. He just had this incredible hot streak. Had he not done that, yeah. we all remember Travis Trice. We don't remember him like that. 
right? You, he's just another rotational guy. You're like, oh, you remember Travis Trice? Oh, yeah. But now it's like, of course, he carried us to a Final Four. He made some incredible shots. He's so super clutch time and time again. My caveat, and this is where I'm pulling myself back in, if Tyson Walker can do something like that, he is more than, cap- more than capable. More than capable. We've seen it many times this season. More than capable of doing it. If he's willing to be the guy who puts his nuts on the table and says, I am going to carry this team as far as I possibly can, I'm not saying they're going to rank it right at the Final Four. I, will, I do not expect that to happen. But he's the one that could probably carry him to the second weekend. He's the one that could carry them a couple games into the Big Ten tournament. He's the one who could help them win these three games this upcoming week. That is what Michigan State has been so sorely lacking all year. And it's not too late. And that game against Purdue, had they lost it, it might have been. But it's not anymore uh, to, to do that. But it's got to be him. I, and I, I really genuinely feel that way. Because it's him or it's Hogard, and he's the one that can shoot. <laughs> it's it really honestly is that yeah, simple to it is that simple and hogard can contribute for the rest of, you know in every other asset facet of the game and you play them together man because you know again the other thing we talked about at last pod you squeeze the juice from max christie he's still going to get a few buckets like he's still going to play well but you can't look at him and say we need 20 it's yep. not going to happen so and that's OK, because he's a freshman, you know, but I just think like you look around and you say, OK, you know, who who could who could do it? And and the answer is. Fairly limited, you know, it's not Gabe Brown, it's who had a nice game against Purdue, but it but it's it's Walker it, it, and it has to be him and Hogard like together. It, it, they are the ones that need to, to do. And guess what? Stop me if you've heard this before, a Michigan State point guard. Like, yeah. <laughs> it all comes back to that, right? It always has. It always will. So good guard play will win you games. Um, they have three regular season opportunities to elevate uh, the play. They should they they should have the better or, close. you know, it will be a good matchup against Michigan with those backcourts. Uh, I think they have the better backcourt against Ohio State. And I know they have the better backcourt against Maryland. Um, it's time for them to shine. And, and it's time for um, everyone else to just play their part the exact same way they did against Purdue. And, yep. and, 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 and then you see how far it can take you. And, you know, that's where we're at. Someone's got to be the engine that makes yeah. this whole thing go. And, and, and it's looking like those are those, yeah and it's always the point guard it, it just it's michigan state it comes back to that it's probably not this like incredible revelation you know but like the point guards make this team go and they have two guys that are very capable of of doing it and you just hope that now is the the moment where it does feel like i will admit that it feels like they are sort of seeing the light in that regard like they are really both taking major steps forward as down the stretch here especially aj we've seen some really really improved play out of him down the stretch but yeah. like you yeah you you need it it's it's now is the time to to go get it so um yeah i don't know I, this is this is uh needless to say quite quite a big week they always are <laughs> <laughs> always yeah. are in march yeah you know um i think you know there we have we have uh Finally compiled our lists of, of teams we that nobody should want to play and teams that um, teams might want to play. Right now, if you were to, you know, have the NCAA tournament selection and you saw Michigan State, I think unfortunately we would fall in the teams you don't mind seeing category, which would be the first time in a long time anyone's felt that way. Um, you want to get into the teams you don't want to play, which is generally uh, one where we we fall into and but like we always say doesn't feel like a lot of time but there is a lot of time there are at least four more opportunities and that is enough time to, to move you from unserious to serious um at least the, to the realm of seriousness and uh no better way to start like we talked about than playing your arch rival so nope i agree john sure would I'll, like to win i'll be i'm willing to go out on that limb as well i do hope my team wins 
I'll say it. Yeah. If we haven't said it, we're saying it now. We hope we win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's it. All right. Sounds All good. Right, yeah. I to be fair, I was like one more thing. I know it sounded a little doom and gloomy. Um, it's not. There's a long way to go, like we said. And if you ever find yourself in a sad situation, just remember you're not a fan of Illinois basketball, and you're not a fan of Purdue basketball, and you don't fall flat on your face <laughs> when you have huge opportunities every single year. So shout out to you for not being fans of those programs. Yeah, and for that you should be thankful. <laughs> great, great perspective, John. Great perspective. All right, guys. For John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you guys next week. See you.